Welcome to Benedettiville, ladies and gentlemen. It is Sunday afternoon. It is 3 p.m. My name is Gio Benedetti, and I'm here in the KPCA studios in beautiful downtown Petaluma on this extremely warm and absolutely gorgeous fall afternoon. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me. And you're listening to Benedettiville Small Town Adventures. I'm, you know, you've been following my health, and I appreciate all the well wishes and all of the letters about uh, your home remedies. Some of them have been great. Some of them have been pretty gross. Some of them, I feel like you guys were just trying to get me to do stuff. Like, seriously, uh, add water to dirt, mix in one handful of rocks, drink three times per day. I don't think that was a serious attempt at helping me get better, you guys. That seemed like more like a joke. But I tried it. Didn't work. It's actually really gross. Do not try that at home or anywhere. But thank you for all the well wishes. I'm getting better. I can taste food. Life has meaning again. And turns out that even if you're uh, not as congested as you were, there's still inspiration for the poetry. Indeed. Indeed. Um, so we just came, well, we meaning me and uh, Rocco Blastorius. Rocco's going to pop in here a little bit later. We just came from a birthday party, and that birthday party was awesome, and we got to do some songs and some stories, and we got to tell an amazing tale, and we're going to change the names here so that uh, privacy will be um, uh, maintained, but I would love to read you this ballad of Billy Bright. I just remembered it's actually a song, you guys. This is a song. I have to adjust the microphone. I got a guitar right here. And I'm going to sing you this one because it's more like a... What's that story? Hey, producer, turn off that story music. See, I can't turn off the story music. When you start talking, it goes on automatically. Oh, man. You're fired, producer. No! I'm just kidding. That's my producer, Dave. He's great. Hey, Dave, you're doing a great job. Thanks a bunch. Um, but seriously, turn off the story music. Golly, thank you, man. Can you guys hear that? That's my guitar. I brought my guitar so that I could sing you guys this next poem. Because, uh, you know, poems can be songs pretty easily. All you got to do is sing them. <laughs> I'm not even going to sing this one. This one's all talk song. It's called The Ballad of Billy Bright. This is how it goes. Well, there was a town way out in the west, and there was a kid, and they called him the best of the heroes that ever saved a day or fought a fight. And with a cape on his back and a mask on his face, he dealed out justice all over the place, and the name of this superhero was Billy Bright. Well, it was a secret. Nobody knew all the superhero stuff little Billy could do, because he seemed about as normal as you or me. But as soon as any bad guys came around or danger caused a ruckus in his little town, he'd change into a secret superhero identity. Oh, yeah. And then the sparks would fly and the earth would shake and the bad guys would quail and their hearts would quake and that Billy would drop like a bolt straight out of the sky. And he'd right the wrongs and protect the meek and he'd smash the bad guys into sometime next week and then disappear without saying goodbye. When the crab man came and burgled the bank, trapped the mayor in a crab man aquarium tank, well, Billy zapped that crab on back to the sea. 
when the alien ships tried to take over Earth, Billy fought them off for all he was worth, and he chased those aliens off back to their own galaxy. His laser eyes came as quite a surprise to the pie snatcher trying to snatch a ball of the pies, and his super strength saved that smart train once from a crash. And his super speed chased off the cheetah gang chief, and he flew through the clouds to catch the red falcon thief, and his sidekick was a T-Rex named Alfredo Nash. But Billy was also just a four-year-old kid, and when superhero deep didn't need to be dead, he'd just relax at home with his family, dogs, and his toys. And he'd do normal stuff, maybe head up to school, maybe sing to a song, maybe splash in a pool, and blend right in with other young girls and boys. No one in town knew what I tell you now was a mystery to them, all the who and the how of the hero that saved them all morning, noon, and night. So keep it a secret, keep it down low, because after this song, I know that you'll know of the hero who's also a kid named Billy Bryan. There you go. That's called The Ballad of Billy Bright. And that was written for a special buddy. Had a birthday party today. And we had to change the name for the radio. because I don't want to tell you guys who the actual superhero is. I was not authorized to tell that on the radio. What do you think this is? Exposed local superhero secret day? Well, that's not what day it is. You were wrong about that. It is actually the kind of a day where sometimes... You need to play a word from our sponsors. Mom, Dad, has this ever happened to you? You wake up in the morning? Well, you might just want to check out coffee. It's just the thing to start the day off right. What's that? It's almost noon. Try some coffee to keep that pep in your step. Have you ever been awake right around 2 o'clock in the afternoon? Well, that's as good a time as any for coffee. In fact, have you ever been walking around your house, neighborhood, or workplace with empty, cold hands while sleeping? Well, shucks, that's also a fine time and reason to pour a cup of coffee. Coffee. Always, anytime, and all the time. Coffee. Yeah, coffee. Um, that's my favorite sponsor. They've been our sponsor from episode one, and I tell you, ladies and gentlemen out there, this show would not be possible without them in so many different ways. A lot of different ways. Like, the kind of way where if we didn't have coffee, we wouldn't make the show. That's the main way, but I suppose there's other ways, too. Um, you know what? It's time to bring you guys an update in the 
No news in the Benedettiville Book Club, ladies and gentlemen. No news. We haven't checked out any new books from the library. Trying to get those Hilda books. Have you guys checked that out? Man, those are fun books. I believe the author's name is Bruce Pearson, and it's about a gal, and she lives way up in uh, in the northern Hilderlands where there are trolls and other amazing creatures about, and she has amazing adventures. And hard to get those books from the library. So, we're in line, we're waiting for them. But that's not really a chapter book like for the Benedettiville Book Club. So, once again, if you guys have some suggestions, send them on in. We've been getting a lot of suggestions. A lot of, a lot of you guys seem like you're really into the classics. Uh, Moby Dick, War and Peace, uh, The Brothers Karamazov. A lot of you guys are into Russian literature. And a lot of people are going thrown back to the old uh, British literature courses. Yes, well, we don't need to read any more John Donne. And I don't think uh, the kids are quite ready for Frankenstein. Frankenstein. So if you guys have anything that's a little bit closer to seven and five-year-olds for family, that would be really helpful. Um, so again, thanks for the suggestions. Just try and target it a little bit more accurately for the kiddos. And then hopefully next week we're going to have uh, a better update for you guys in uh, that little organization we like to call. <laughs> you know, there may never be news for the Benedictville Book Club, but that's never going to stop us. Not ever. Um, well, uh, you guys, we've had... Such an amazing, fantastic, exciting, busy weekend here at Benedettiville. Why? It was only yesterday. Hey, Dave, producer Dave, I'm I'm kind of telling a little bit of a story here. It's more of an introduction, but can I get a little bit of that story music? Oh, sure thing, Jill. I was totally sleeping on the job, like literally asleep on the job. Dave, you're fired. No, I'm just kidding. That's the second time today, though. Don't let it happen again, buddy. Okay, yeah, sorry, but there's your story music. Thanks, Dave. Um, hard to find a good producer, you guys, but Dave's trying his best. He's just real sleepy. Um, I don't think he drinks coffee, you know, but I'll work on that. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, we're having a really amazing weekend here at Benedettiville. It's really fun. We've been doing all sorts of really cool, crazy stuff. Why? <laughs> it was only yesterday morning at 10.30. Why, I did it hear the cock crow much earlier than that, when the sun did come up. And we did waken with the dawn, and we packed our car full of puppetry, wizardry, magical tools for adventure and stories. And we headed down to our very own Petaluma Regional Library. And we partied. We partied really hard for about an hour. There were songs. There were stories. Blue showed up. Um, we, there was uh, there was a scavenger hunt through the library. We were trying to read a story. Our story got taken away by the story patrol, and the story patrol gave us a new storybook to tell from. Oh man, it was like really exciting. It was so exciting, in fact, that um, Blue has just been sleeping the last couple of days. It took a lot out of the poor little guy. He was working on it. He's been really hard at work 
during uh, troll season. You know how he's how he's been. He's been really excited about troll season. So um, he couldn't come in today. But it's time for a troll season update. And um, because he couldn't come in, he sent his buddy Rocco Blastorius. So uh, Rocco's here. And Rocco, even though uh, just between you and me, I don't think he knows anything about trolls. But Rocco's here to deliver the message. Um, he's got a little script, so we'll see how it goes. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to uh, get some music going here that's uh, like kind of like the Guardians music. That's the other thing that Blue wanted to do. And um, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll just kind of take it from there. So, uh, let's get Rocco in here. And Dave, Dave, I need you to play that Guardians music. Pay attention. Golly, Dave, get on your toes, man. Try drinking coffee or something. I don't know. So let's see. All right. Rocco, get on in here and uh, let's get that uh, Guardians music going. Tracked the bass for that because that's like what I do here at the Benedettiville studio. Um, oh, wait, oh, oh, yeah, so, good, good, but crank that up, bro. Yeah, make sure this. this is amazing, guys. Just so you guys know, on my script here, it just says one, but 
uh, that has like no point. You know what I mean? That's not funny. So I gave it the old numero uno. Yeah. What, dude? What happened to the jams? Dude, what happened to the jams, man? I I don't even think it's possible to like talk about this stuff if, if there's not a jam. I think it's in my contract, even. Right. Oh. Yeah! Oh my goodness! It's like you took the funky pack and like raised it. No, like totally different. Whoa, 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 whoa. Geo, like, just like started smashing his head against the door. It was pretty funny. Uh, I'm gonna read from the script before that guy like really hurts himself. But seriously, funky dress. What are we talking about again? Troll, right, 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 right. Oh, yeah. Troll safety tips. Numero uno. That's my type right now. Uh, troll safety tip number one. Don't go into any deep, dark case. <laughs> well, like, newsflash. That's like any kind of safety tip list. <laughs> like, uh, hey, let's make a safety tip for, like, wilderness survival. Don't go into deep, dark, scary case. No. Well, anyway, that's a troll safety tip. Troll safety tip numero dos is uh, no trip dropping over bridges. That's pretty important because there's like a lot of bridges in Petaluma. We've got the river, we're like all that stuff. So, you know, you're kind of like going over bridges a lot. So when you do it, do not trip drop. Just like gently walk. Maybe tiptoe? You can prance. You can pache. You can even stride. You can, uh, what are some other ones? You can, uh, perambulate. That's a good one. There's no trip dropping, guys. Trolls hate that. If there's a troll under that bridge and you're all like trip chop, trip chopping, you know what's gonna happen. But you just talk it. Dude, I've got some Billy Go friends that, like, did that. Super dangerous stuff, you know? So, like, anyway, that was number two. Uh, we've got one more troll safety tip here. Let me check it out. Uh, tip number three. This one doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but like, you guys out there, uh, do with it what you will. Full-safety tip number three, um, make friends with wizards. You know what? It's like, uh, he's got a little asterisk here. There's a story from this book that he really liked, and it's all about how these were like a bunch of dwarves, I think 13 of them, and uh, they were out in the forest at night, and they went up to a campfire, and the trolls were there, dude, and the trolls, like, grabbed them and put them into sacks. There was, like, a, a little guy there, too, and he was smaller than the dwarves. He was called, like, a hobbit or something. Anyway, so there you've got three trolls, 14 little dudes, your good guys, your buddies, stuck in sacks, man. Not cool. And the trolls are all, like, gonna eat them or cook them up or something terrible, but then... Oh, this is the best part. There's a wizard dude, and the wizard uses his magic to confuse the trolls, and they argue, and they argue all night until... Oh, this is exactly what he said. You ready? <clears throat> I'm going to do my best wizard voice. Dawn take you all, and be stone to you. How'd I do? That's, like, pretty good, right? Yeah, well, that's what the wizard says, and then when the sun comes up, you got it. All those trolls turned to stone. They're probably still there. Like, if you ever find, like, a statue of, like, trolls somewhere, that. Oh, no! Oh, no! Dude, Dave! Dave, roll the track, dude! I told you, I can't do this if it's not, like, super funky back there. Dave? Wake up, Dave! 
Sorry, Rocco. Just gotta get up there. Okay, here it comes. I'm, I'm playing the track. You getting it? Yeah, okay, we're back. We're back. Sorry about that again, guys. Um, so anyway, that wizard waits until dawn. Sun comes up. Trolls turn to stone. Statues in the forest. So I guess uh, to make that long story much shorter, Troll fix tip number three, make friends with the wizard. Uh, good luck finding the wizard, you guys. Uh, Blue doesn't really leave any tips for that. Maybe he's going to do that next month. I don't know. Anyway, it's been a real pleasure coming in and filling in. Um, I love these funky jams, man. Maybe maybe Blue and I can talk about this recording and like when we did this tour, because that was fun when we got to like rehash the good old days. Oh my goodness. I, Gio might even be crying out there. He looks pretty fed up. I, I better take off. Dave's and dudettes out there. So, um, once again, Rocco Blastorius coming at you from the funky lands of Funkatown. And, uh, I'll see you guys later. You all take care. And happy, uh, happy Sunday. Yeah. See you Holy cow. Uh, that Rocco guy. You like, he cannot focus when there is music on. But he also can't do anything if there isn't music on. It's like this battle that we have to fight every time I tell you what. Well, that took a really long time. I apologize that that took so long. I've got, um, oh my goodness, it is time for another word from our sponsor. So let's get a little station ID and then we'll see if we can get, um, we can get another word from our sponsor. And before before we jump back into story time, because as y'all know, it's uh, time to get into... Are we on part four? I think we're on part four of Them. The very mysterious and exciting saga of the young gal Josie as she's discovering what in the world is going on and why all these strange, magical, fantastical things are happening to her and around her. So we're going to get to that first what station you're listening to, and then um, sponsor time. Here we go. 103.3 KDCA. Hey there. What's that you say? It's harvest season. It's time to put away the seeds and all the plant stuff and get ready for the long dreary old crop that months of the winter. Is that what you're saying? Well, now if you're planting magic beans. I've got magic beans for sale. Well, okay, wait. More like a for trade, really, because all I need is a cow. I trade cows for magic beans, or, depending on how you look at it, I trade magic beans for cows. Any old cow, I can't get enough cows. I don't know how many times i got to say that. What's that you say? You've got an old cow that nobody wants? Well, guess what? I want it, and I'll give you a magic bean for it. Are your cows brown? Is it black? Is it white? Is it black and white? Is it striped purple? Is it green? Jeez, I don't mind just bringing that cow, and I'll hand over just about any of my most magical of beans for you. Magic beans! Now, look, I don't know what magic beans will do because they are so very magical. And each one is sure to do something magic, but it sure beats me what it's going to be. 
I just end up with their little things. Listen, I don't know what to do with them except trade them for cows. You know what? But other people, listen, other people have made the trade and they love it. Now, listen, take a listen to what this happy customer has to say. Um, I inherited a cow from my great-great-uncle. But I live in an apartment. It wasn't too long before I realized that the apartment was way too small for me and a full-grown cow. Also, it was impossible to train it to use the actual bathroom. And then it was very tricky because when company would come over, they might step in a fresh cow pie on the floor. Also, the cow would always try and sneak bites of salad right off of my plate. Or sometimes, even worse, it would try and snatch the salad off of the plate of guests that would come over. Also, my cow snored, and when she invited all of her cow friends over, they would have cow parties, and the cow parties were so loud, and they would go so late into the night that I could not even sleep. It was getting really bad. So it was definitely, clearly time to find the cow a new home, um, and because we just were not working out as roommates. Like, still friends, you know, but living together was really, clearly not going to be an option for us. That's when I heard about the Magic Beans on the Benedettiville uh, Small Town Adventures Radio Hour. So, I went down and I traded the cow for a few Magic Beans, and then I planted them in little pots right on my windowsill. Um, that, three of them, I think, uh, and one of them, like, just totally plain exploded one day in a giant cloud of rainbow smoke. And it was really loud and very messy. Um, not really what I would say what I was hoping for from the magic beans. Another magic bean grew into what looked like a normal bean plant, but when I picked one of the beans inside instead of little bean pods were teeny tiny breath mints. And they're pretty nice and refreshing, and it's weird, but it has saved me money because now I never need breath mints or gum. The third pot with the third bean hasn't grown anything yet, but every day the pot, the actual clay pot that I planted the bean in, grows bigger. It was just a tiny pot like drinking cup sized when I planted the seed, but now it is as big as a wine barrel, and the dirt keeps changing color. Look, I don't know what or if anything is going to grow, but I water it every day just in case. And the cow seems to be doing fine with that super weird magic bean guy. And we still hang out every once in a while. Like, we'll go down to the cow park and just run around with the frisbee or whatever. It's really been, I think, a, a good trade for both of us. Really. Do you see what I mean? It's great magic beads. Who knows what they'll do? Not me. That's for darn sure. So, when you're tired of your cow, or if you've got one cow too many, if you need a place for a cow, Come on down, trade me your cow, and I'll get you some magic beans. They'll grow through the winter. Heck, they'll grow in your freezer if you want to try that. Just trade me them cows. Magic beans. You're listening to Benedettiville. KPCA-FM.
The only problem is that this guy, whoever this guy is who's got the magic beans, is seriously not interested in money, trades of any kind, if it doesn't involve a cow. And I don't have a cow. I have zero cows. I don't have any extra cows. I don't own one cow, let alone many cows, which would allow for a cow trade. What am I going to do with a cow trade? Um, well, thanks for uh, entertaining my Wayne's World joke. It's story time. Clearly, the music is stating it. Dave, that was like super on point, by the way. Really well done. Thanks, Dave! Love you, Dave. Um, we are on part four of the story, Them. And if you recall, we left off. Josie, holy macaroni, had just gone through an amazing disguise transformation after escaping Them. She had an amazing book called, uh, a wonderful book for days just like today. Some such. She had to activate an outside assistance protocol so that she could just try and get some answers to what in the world was going on around her. And she did. And a little mouse showed up. And she couldn't understand the mouse, but then they both ate a little block of the cheese that they had. And then they're just chatting away like they're old pals. And Sham, which was the name of this rat, said that he could take Josie find some answers, that maybe there were some answers nearby, and so they went to go see a man about a clock. And that's where our story picks up. I bring you, ladies and gentlemen, part four of Them. The sun was beginning to set over downtown as Josie and Sham made their way through the long shadows and rich, golden sunlight cross sidewalks. To outside observers, it appeared that a 50-something-year-old woman, stylish of dress, heavy of set, was boldly striding her way through town. In reality, underneath the clever and ingenious disguise there walked a 10-year-old girl, following the directions squeaked into her ear by a large black rat. Turn left here, and right at the end of the block. As they walked, Josie saw them. They were loitering in the plaza, walking back and forth on the sidewalks. She saw large, slick black cars pass by slowly. They were out in force. But they could not crack her disguise. She passed by them, directly in front of them, undetected as she and Sham turned the corner onto the main boulevard. Third shop on the right, the one with all the clocks in the window, squeaked Sham. Josie, wearing the disguise of Miss Gertrude Wiseman, stopped in front of a very old and run-down-looking door. In the window, she could see a display, almost a pile, a veritable tower of antique and decorative clocks covered in layers of dust and cobwebs. The door's paint was chipped, and the sign hanging over the door was faded. The Clock Collector, the sign said. Yep, this is the place. Let's go in, Sham squeaked. A small bell attached to the inside of the door rang as she swung it in, stepped across the threshold, and closed the door behind her. The ticking of clocks was a synchronized, pleasant rhythm to the otherwise still and quiet interior of the store. The golden light filtering through the clock-filled front window illuminated swirling and floating particles of dust in the late afternoon slowness. The store was full, totally full, of clocks. 
There were clocks across every inch of wall. There were racks of them, shelves of them. Many had signs identifying different times in different cities across the world. Chicago, New York, Barcelona, Paris, Roma, Athens, Budapest, Prague, Moscow, Beijing, Tokyo, London, Egypt, Hong Kong, so many more. All of them ticking in unison each time, accurate to its written location. Good afternoon, called a soft, raspy voice from deeper within the den of clock. What can I do for you today, miss? Behind the counter, towards the rear of the narrow store, Josie could just make out the nose, glasses, and hair of a very small man. The counter was otherwise covered in clocks, watches, parts, and tools. Josie, in the disguise of Gertrude Wiseman, looked up. She whispered to the rat on her shoulder. What now, Sham? Let me handle it said Sham, and he scrambled out of the folds of her shawl up her neck and perched atop the black beret that Gertrude wore on her graying hair. Ah, Sham, my friend, rasped the man, clapping his hands once and coming out from behind the counter. I should have expected you, seeing them all over town today, and then this woman must be none other than... Jerry, meet Josie. Josie, meet Jerry, Sham squeaked. Ah, Josie, Jerry said, stepping forward, hand extended. It is a very real pleasure to see you again. Ah, what? Nice to meet you? Josie stumbled on her words, shaking the firm, leathery hand of the small man. I've never met you before, Jerry. Have I? As she released Jerry's hand, she stomped her foot. Seriously, can we just quit it with all the weird, mystical, unexplainable stuff already? What is going on? She wants answers, Jer, Sham said, crawling back down to Josie's shoulder, this time on her left. And I think it's high time she got him. You ready to go with your outside assistance protocols? Yeah, I'm ready, Jerry said, and he shot an apologetic smile and shrugged at Josie. If you'll just give me a moment to secure the premises. And he spoke. As he spoke, the small old man, wearing a blue and white striped work shirt under a pair of heavy beige overalls, walked to the front door. Locked it about 15 different ways, including putting a huge, heavy iron bar across the doorframe. He beckoned to Josie. All right, follow me. Jerry walked towards the clocks behind the counter at the very back of the store. There was an old cuckoo clock with large weights on chains in the middle of the wall. He pulled on one, and then the other of the chains, and then spun the long hand of the clock all the way around the face. One two, three times. On the third turn, the shutters of the cuckoo clock opened, a wooden bird popped out, let out a very satisfying cuckoo, and snapped back in behind the shutters. The section of wall on which the cuckoo clock and some ten others hung swung silently inwards. Jerry stepped in and beckoned again for Josie to follow. This way, he said, disappearing into the blackness. The room beyond was dark. It was pitch black. Josie hesitated. There's answers in there, kid, Sham urged quietly. Come on, come on, onward and forward. Josie stepped onward and forward into the dark. There was a scraping sound as the heavy door shut tightly behind her. There was a flick, and then there was a soft candlelight glow. Jerry was lighting lamps. In the soft lamplight, Josie looked around the room. Her mind whirled, her heart leapt, and her brain did a somersault. It was a tall, square room built of finely crafted, fit-together stone. 
The room, like a shop beyond the wall, was lined and covered with clocks, hanging clocks, clocks mounted to the stone, some standing on the floor, some on shelves, more clocks. But these were like no clocks Josie had ever seen before. Like the foreign city clocks in the front room, there were labels above some of the clocks here, but Josie did not recognize the names. Vengel? Inwinshul? She didn't even know how to pronounce them. Outer Moth? And Inner Moth? She read a sign above a triangular, crystalline clock that said, Glossly. There were three hands on the clock face and nine symbols around its perimeter. The hands were all spinning at different speeds and all spinning quite quickly. What is this? On another sign, she read, Blacksinglax, and it was a massive, red stone-looking clock frame. In the center of the stone frame was a large, smooth hollow carved into the stone. Hovering in the hollow were four glowing, small, circular stones. Several of them were gliding ever so slowly through the air of the hollow. As they floated along their mysterious trajectories, Josie spied different symbols carved on the inside of the hollow, illuminating and glowing. What was this? There was a tree that seemed to be growing out of the floor. The limbs growing from the thick trunk intersected in a complex geometric pattern. Josie watched, mesmerized as small twigs and buds grew and moved slightly before her eyes. The sign above the branches said, Plea. There was, hovering above a pink, translucent pedestal, a series of concentric circles. The circles were made by the light traces of small revolving globes spinning and gliding along the paths of regular, invisible orbits. Above them, a sign said, The Aberdeen Cosmos. What was this? More incredible shapes and devices and outlandish things stood and hung side by side. Josie's eyes couldn't take them all in. Some looked more like traditional clocks, but they had an unfamiliar number of hands, or they moved at strange speeds and directions. The other clock-type things were as beautiful as they were bewildering. There were mists blowing across a black jeweled clock face. Shimmering liquid dripped into a carefully gauged and measured pool. She paused before a large stone circle on the ground. Two rudely carved stone triangles jutted out of its center at odd angles. Ah, Jerry said, coming up behind her. The twin sundial of Iboria. The technology there is somewhat primitive, but I assure you this dial tells perfect time. For, for Iboria, anyway. It appears to be late morning there. Josie let out a long breath. Where did you find these clocks, Jerry? She finally managed, her eyes still feasting on the mysteries and wonders around the room. Well, right where it says I did on the signs, he replied. Then he looked at Josie. His eyebrows shot up. He sucked air through his teeth and let out a slow whistle. You don't know about any of this, do you? Bingo, Josie said, getting as much frustrated impatience as she could into the one word. All right. Well, let's get you caught up, kid. Follow me. And Jerry shuffled further into the room. Clocks 
and more mysteries. When is Josie going to start getting some answers? I don't know. I sure hope it's this episode because we have been waiting a long, long time. Um, I would love to tell you the answers right now, but I cannot because, yes, you guessed it. It's time for the Ben and Daddy Vale book. No, it's not actually. It's time to uh, get a word in from some sponsors here. And you might have forgotten what station you're listening to. And in case that is for real, I'm going to remind you. Thanks to the lovely voices of Petaluma's own Rivertown Voices. Take it away, gang.
Jerry shuffled toward the clock. It was huge. It looked like a grandfather clock, but maybe the grandfather of a grandfather clock. It was so big. Its base was deep and wide, with panels and carvings and wood-figured decorations all over. The base was twice as tall as Josie. Above the base was the clock tower, and it rose another four feet in a wide, tapering pyramid at the top of the pyramid, behind a dusted-over circle of thick glass at the clock face. It looked fairly normal to Josie, but it had 14 symbols around its face instead of 12, and in addition to the two hands, there was a revolving sphere that, as Josie looked, spun slowly as it revolved around the track of the clock's arm. The whole casing was made out of a brownish wood, its wavy, curvy grain shot through with gold and reds. The clock looked old, but good, smooth, and shiny. Jerry stepped forward and took a large key ring off his belt. He chose a large, ornate key and clicked it into a lock that Josie couldn't see somewhere in the decorative and carved woods of the large clock base. A door-sized portion of the wooden base of the clock swung silently inward. There we go, Jerry said. Everything should be ready for you. Here, let me turn on a light for you. He took a step inside and fumbled around for a second. There was a soft flick, and the inside of the tremendous clock lit up. Josie poked her head in. The room looked like a tiny living room or maybe a study. It had bare floors and paneled walls of the same wood as the frame of the clock. The room was lit by a soft white light coming from a simple chandelier hung from the middle of the wooden ceiling. It was furnished with a pleasant rug, beige, brown, soft reds. There was a small bookshelf overflowing with books, a cozy-looking green upholstered chair, and a table. On the table was a television, a big, chunky, thick, older-looking TV. A VHS tape player was built into the television just below the screen. The only other thing in the room was a door frame on the opposite wall. Go on in, Jerry said. Close and lock the door behind you, though. They're still out there. I'll keep an eye on things in the store. Good to see you again, Josie. Uh, thanks. Uh, and, and you too, Josie said. She walked into the small, cozy room inside the grandfather clock, closed and locked the door behind her. Sham, the rat, was still on her shoulder. She walked all around the room. She looked at everything, touched everything. There was a fairly thick layer of dust over the entire room. It was all neat and tidy, but had clearly been untouched for a long time. She scanned the bookshelf. Half of the titles she knew and loved, or seemed like books that she would love. The other half, though? The other half of the books were strange, and somewhere in languages she didn't know. There were titles she could read, like An Abbreviated Menagerie of the Multiverse, or Ten Best Worlds to Visit for Low Gravity Adventures, or Yendla's Practical Fire Magics for Beginners, and more. The doorframe on the opposite wall was just that, a doorframe attached to the wood-paneled wall. There were no cuts for a door, no latches, no handles, no hinges. This is weird, she decided. The chair was incredibly comfortable. Josie sat down, enjoying the comfy chair in her bulky disguise. Oh, what was that? She had sat on something. She reached down and found an old remote control. On the back of the remote control was an old taped list. The tape cracked and peeling in places. The list said, One, get comfortable. Two, push the power button. Three, push the play button. 
before. Watch and listen. Okay, she thought. She got up and took off the Gertrude Wiseman clothes in disguise. She wiped off the makeup and packed everything up in the large black handbag. Back in her own clothes, with her own face, but still with short, graying black hair, she felt much more comfortable. Sham watched it all from the chair back. Huh, well, what do you know? There's a kid under there, he said. Oh, much better, Josie said as she flopped back into the chair. It was just her, Sham, and the TV now. Josie's heart was racing as she picked up the remote control and pointed it at the large old dusty television. Jerry and Sham had promised her answers. She had a million questions, and all of them begged for answers, but she was just a couple of clicks away from getting them. But Josie was also very nervous. The level of weirdness of her last two days was far beyond anything she had imagined possible. Her destroyed home, them, they, the fireball, the safe house, the emergency kit, the library, sham and the cheese, and now the weird clocks and the secret room in the secret door. Answers could make things even weirder than they already were. Josie took a deep breath. She prepared for weirdness, and she turned on the TV. Press play. The screen slowly brightened. On the screen, a man's face was right in front of the camera. He was disheveled, maybe hadn't shaved in a few days, maybe in his late thirties, handsome, and with a twinkle in his eye. He was clearly fiddling with something. Satisfied, the man took several steps back and stood by a chair. It was the very same green upholstered chair that Josie sat in now. The room was the very same room that Josie was in. The man addressed someone behind the camera. How's it look, hon? Have you got me? A woman's voice came across from behind the camera. Yeah, I got it. You look great. Are you ready? Yeah, ready. Let's go. Go then. We're already recording. The man laughed. All right, well, then get out here. Come on. A beautiful woman with wrinkles just beginning to show in the corners of her eyes. Similar age to the man walked out from behind the camera. She was holding something. The man and woman kissed. The woman turned around, the man's arm around her shoulders. In the woman's arm was a baby wrapped in a blanket. The blanket was decorated with stars and moons. I recognize that blanket, Josie thought to herself. The man and the woman looked at the camera. The man took a deep breath. Okay, here goes. He let out the breath. Hey there, Josie. It's your dad. It, it's your mom and your dad. And, well, and you too. Say hi to yourself, Josie. The woman waved the baby's hand at the camera. She looked. There was a tear in her eye. How have you been, kiddo? emotional cliffhanger ending this week. Is that nice of me? No, it is not. Is that calculated so that you will absolutely tune in next week at 3 p.m. on Sunday for Benedettiville's Small Town Adventure Radio Hour? Absolutely. Is that somewhat devious? Yes. Is it a little bit mischievous? Also, yes. But oh my goodness, what 
are Josie's parents going to say? Where have they been all this time? What's been going on with they and them? What's all this magic mumbo-jumbo? How come everybody seems to know stuff that Josie doesn't know? Man, I really hope her mom and dad get to the bottom of that. And how weird would it be to be waving to yourself from the past into the future? I'll tell you, super weird. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we have just about come to the end of our show today. The only thing that we have to do is remind you about what you're listening to um, and hear just one more time from those Rivertown voices because, quite honestly, I can't get enough of this stuff. Um, so let's, let's have that happen and then going to be the end. I'm going to have to say all my thank yous. So, uh, hey, Dave, can you turn down the story music? The story's over, man. Just turn it off. Sorry, Gio. I'm going to turn it down now. There you go, bud. Oh, Dave. Hey, if anybody out there is a radio producer and uh, knows how to turn music on and off and is free Sundays, 3 to 4, get in touch. No, I'm just kidding, Dave. Hey, no, don't cry, buddy. Oh, um, I went too far. I teased Dave a little too far. Sorry, Dave. You're my one and only producer. You know that. Okay. Getting a little awkward here in the studio. Let's hear those little call letters and let's get out of here. Nice segues, Dave. You're a real champ. Don't ever change, buddy. Ladies and gentlemen, that music means we have reached the end of this episode of Benedettiville Small Town Adventures. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed our tomfoolery and our poems and our stories and the lovely and wonderful sponsors we've had. Also, troll safety. I hope you remember your troll safety tips. We're going to see you right here next week on KPCA. That's 103.3 FM. We're also streaming live on the net at kpca.fm. Uh, we also have a podcast, and that's uh, Benedettiville.com. You can find that. we got all kinds of stuff there. Benedettiville's Geogen Stella and Emmeline Benedetti, and all the stories and silliness in this episode were co-created by those four Benedettivillians. Um, special thanks this episode to our guests and all the contributing voices, and we'll get to them. But, of course, we must begin with a big thanks to Rob and John down here at PCA. Love this station. Thanks to Blue and, of course, to Rocco for filling in for Blue. Thanks to the Petaluma Regional Library for the awesome party this week. Thanks to the Rivertown Voices for their little call letters. Thanks to our sponsors, Coffee, Magic Beans, and the Trustworthy Raccoons Association of Sonoma Homeowners, a.k.a. Trash. Um, if you guys want to talk to us or drop a line anytime or just uh, send us stories, dragon drawings, whatever it is, do it. Like, stop, stop, uh, stop procrastinating. Our ma- email address is mail at benedettiville.com. Our P.O. Box is P.O. Box 336 40 on 4th Street in Petaluma, California, 94952. That's down at the Mail Depot, so you can always just go in and check in there if you're in Petaluma. We can't wait to hear from you, and looking forward to continuing all the shenanigans and stories next week. Take care, everybody. See ya next week.